Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite t-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. Well, comedy and communication, that's our theme this week. John Langer is my name. And I'm Jen Martin. And joining us on Communication Mixdown today are Melbourne theatre and comedy writers and performers, Claire Bartholomew and Daniel Tobias. So Claire runs masterclasses on clowning and she's an experienced clown doctor. And Claire and Daniel have written and performed a children's musical just last year. And on a very different topic, Daniel performed and Claire produced The Orchid and the Crow, a wonderful show that one headline described as turning testicular cancer into comedy gold. So who better to explain how comedy in the right hands can get us beyond the gag and to help us communicate and see more about ourselves and each other. Claire and Daniel, welcome to um, CMD. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Hi, John. Hello. <laughs> Can, um, are you loud enough? Are they loud enough for us, John? They're Good. Fine. I promised yep. I'd, I'd let them know. So, um, Claire and Daniel, can I begin by asking you both to let us in on what it's like to try and make people laugh for a living? So just imagining that you've got your comedic box of tricks spread out there before us. So tell us what works for the two of you. How are you going to communicate best with, that, with, with comedy? I think the first thing we do is try to make each other laugh. If, I, if I'm thinking of an idea and I can't make Claire laugh, then I think something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been working together a long time now. Yeah, yeah 10 years. 10 or 11 years, mm. yeah. I mean, I think it's always um, that thing about who your audience is. So definitely we, we need to like it. Like um, we worked on a web series last year and that was kind of in response to we'd been working on a film for quite a, lo- a while with someone and... And to cut a very long story short, because it was five-year process, yeah. we didn't like the film we ended up making, and we made the web series kind of in response to that because we we just needed to make something that we thought was funny. <laughs> oh, um, that's great. We did, and you know, and other people like it too. But I think I think we have to like it first and feel like we believe in it, and then and then it's about finding your audience. You know, obviously not not all comedies for everyone, and. Some of our shows are more ridiculous than others. So some shows are about really about entertainment. And, for example, with Dan's show, The Orchid and the Crow, that was much more a, a true personal story and comedy was used as one of the mediums to kind of get the story across um, as well as 
um, singing and movement and, you know, sort of other, other things as well. So let's talk about The Orchid and the Crow there and how comedy, that fascinates me because it was an ingredient in it. So is it the rhythm of it? How do you um, play around with that? When do you introduce it you know, into the mix? Well, I think for me, when I was going through all of that experience, I mean, that's almost 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, it, it was my way of getting through it. I mean, I wasn't always laughing. Some of it was, you know, really awful. But yeah. when, I, when possible, I was always trying to find the funny side of it. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, I'm a big fan of, of all kinds of comedy as well, like physical comedy, stand-up comedy, um, in film and TV and, and live as well. So I, when I went to try and tell this story, I wanted to make it as engaging as I possibly could. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, like, I like performing comedy. I like watching it. So I, I, I felt like that had to be a, a part of the story for me. Well, I love watching comedy. I love it being performed for me. And just, you know, just from being an audience member, it's as if that comedy breaks something down, it gets through a wall, sort of surprises me, gets me off guard, and then suddenly I'm thinking about things I, I wasn't really intending to in a, in a way I didn't think quite possible. Is, is, that what, is that what you're trying to do, you clever people, on the other side of the stage? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I mean, initially a com- like comedy is a great way to make friends, whether ah. you're, um, you know, in the street or, or at dinner or whether you're, um, you know, performing a 70-minute show about testicular cancer. I think it's, um, it's a great way to connect with people and to sort of loosen things up. And let, let's talk about that, Claire, um, in terms of a, a very different way of, of using comedy, and I imagine it's a, it's a far more intimate um, setting when you're being a clown doctor. Talk to us about that when you're dealing with children. Um, well, I suppose the, the main thing is that people aren't expecting to go into hospital and have a good laugh um, or necessarily expecting someone's going to come around and entertain them. Um, and and that does happen in, you know, particularly in children's wards quite fairly frequently with various, you know, services that are in the hospital. Um, and I, I think it's, I mean, it's a very um, almost kind of intimate comedy because, you know, you're at someone's bedside, you know, yes. you're kind of going into their bedroom, you're kind of knocking, you're getting permission to go in, you're finding your way into the room and then you have to kind of find a reason of, why you would stay there? Do you know what I mean? As yes. as an idiot. Yes. So so, so what do you do? <laughs> well, it, it can depend. So um, today we were just about to kind of knock on the door of a room, and um, and I, I assume it was a mother, perhaps. Uh, the trolley came around with afternoon snacks, and so they got given a banana, and then we just were having this whole game that it was the communication device because the phones weren't working. You know, that it was the phone. And so then we got our, our silly, we had like a fake phone and this little girl on the bed, um, she had the banana phone and we just had this whole conversation with her on the banana and us at the doorway. And obviously we could just hear her because she was so close, but it was all about the power of the banana. And oh, and that gorgeous. was kind of our entrance into the room. Um, that kind of broke the ice and got us in. And then you just, you just sort of play, you just, well, you just, running by the seat of your pants, really. Mm. I mean, it can be terrifying when you think about it, but you 
you know, you gather. I was working with someone today who's very new, and so I was probably leading a little bit more, perhaps. I mean, she's very good, and she's, you know, she's going to be amazing. But um, you basically, you, there's always two of you, so you're just trying to sort of keep running an idea around the room and see what see what flies. And I mean, you don't in the, with the clown doctors. It's not necessarily always funny like if someone's really shy or in a lot of pain it might just be to change the atmosphere so it might be music really gentle it might be really soft it could be I mean it can be a little baby that you're trying to soothe so it's not always belly laughs that you might be going for. Um, That that is so interesting Claire because let's talk a bit about the clown then because that the clown has that ability doesn't doesn't it of being being soft and being quite quite gentle and and also quite poignant as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and I think um, I think because you come in so low status and as such as you know, like the fool that and and everyone else in the hospital has got quite a lot of status besides perhaps the cleaners, although they do they should have a lot of status really. You know, the do- you know, doctors are kind of revered in society and you've got physiotherapists, you've got OTs, you've got, you know, the nursing staff. And, the, you know, the clown doctors are, are very low status, so they're like the fool in Shakespeare, if you like. And so we come in, we get everything wrong. And I think with the kids, it's a great opportunity to kind of pay out of us a little bit and um, kind of have a little bit more power as well in the situation. Like we would always ask permission to come in um, yeah, I mean, it's a very unique kind of situation. That's so interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah, they, they're at their most, well, anyone who's in hospital, you're really at your most vulnerable, aren't you? But a, a child particularly, you know, they're operating. I mean, they, they're kids and they're sick. And so, yeah, you're, you're giving them that kind of power and agency in a place that's quite scary. And you've got, as you say, lots of people walking around doing very, very important work. Yeah, and I think that's what. Lovely, because also parents can be quite... Ooh. Are we having a Sorry, BBC mate. dad moment? We had one here earlier as well. That was the alarm I set because you were calling us later. <laughs> 12 said, oh, past six. You are so good. <laughs> a, bit of, a bit of comedy, a bit of, uh, a bit of oral comedy. Yes, this is where comedy comes into the studio. I, my friends only call me when I'm actually in the studio, so that's what happens to me. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, so as, as I was saying with the parents, like the parents yes. can often be a bit stressed and anxious, so they're not in that headspace of trying to make the child laugh, and depending on what where, where you are in the process of they might have just come in, they might have just had a, you know, some people come in and the diagnosis that they receive is something that's going to go on for a few years or they don't know where, where, where it's going to end. And some people come in and it's a broken arm and they're going to be okay and it, it's fine for the parents to be fairly upbeat. And yes. you know, it's it's like a glitch in the in the life, but it's not a major thing. And so, so as clown doctors, we kind of have to gauge. You know, we might be having a long relationship with this family, or it might just be a short little interaction. We, we, you know, and often we don't know. Like we don't really know no. all the diagnosis or what's happening, or who who are the people in the room are actual family members, are the parents together. We we can't assume anything. We can't know that that's necessarily the father or the mother. So we have to kind of... That's why it's great being an idiot because oh. <laughs> you, you can think that it's, you know, like the little brother or the auntie or the, 
you know, great, 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 great grandfather and it's someone quite young or something like that. So that's, we sort of have all these tactics to try and almost investigate how we can play in that room as well. Oh, that's just, look, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Not- just, just fascinating. And Claire and, um, Daniel, I, we are going to have to um, wrap it up, but what I would like to talk to just quickly, if, if I could, I mean, you're also the producers of the, the fabulous rock duo um, Berlin Rock Stars, um, Der Rotten Puntka, and um, I hear you're going to be working on a project with Circus Oz with them, is that right? Or Yeah, yeah. We, we carry their stuff around. And I was going to sure say, you'd have to have a sense of humour, wouldn't you? I know. Sometimes because they're so dysfunctional, we even have to write the songs for them. <laughs> tell them what to wear, you know. Um, so with Circus Oz, we, we're, uh, they're writing a, a, like a whole circus rock opera of their, um, their lives. A circus their, rock opera. Um, oh. Their very dysfunctional upbringing, how they were orphaned. and well, They've come um, over, overcome be, such tragedy, haven't they, to write such great hits like Bang they, Bang. And... They have. So uh, there's going to be three... Circus Oz ensemble performers, three acrobats who are in the show, and um, we have another development period in May, and quite a lot of songwriting to do. So, look, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Look, thank you so much for your time. I'm sorry it was um, short, as always, but um, really, thank you for helping us learn how to communicate through comedy. Thank you both. Thank you. Bye bye. 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 So we've been speaking with Melbourne theatre and comedy writers and performers Claire Bartholomew and Daniel Tobias about the fine art of using comedy to communicate. And I know Communication Mixed Sound listeners are going to be waiting with bated breath to see their next project with Die Rotten Pugte and Circus Oz. CR presents a great night of entertainment at Bella Union, Thursday the 27th of April. Jonathan Alley will MC a stellar lineup, including 3CR DJs Kate and Susie spinning tracks for a lazy Thursday night. Fiona Scott Norman's one woman show, The Needle and the Damage Done. Ian McFarlane's book launch of the Encyclopedia of Australian Rock and Pop Music. And an unleashed version of Super Flutie's Free Association radio show with Clem Basto, Casey Bonetto, Scott Edgar, and Christos Chorkas. That's Saturday, the 27th. Thursday. the 27th of April, Bella Union at Trades Hall. Doors open at 6.30. For tickets, go to bellaunion.com.au or at the door if not sold out. This is a 3CR benefit. So see you there. And this is Communication Mixed Down. Comedy and communication, that's our theme this week. And I guess people know this. these are dark and despairing times. And sure enough, we could use a bit of a laugh even an odd smile, some might say. Fiona Scott Norman is a writer, performer, DJ, and cabaret director, and she's planning to provoke some laughs, at least a few chuckles, when she presents The Needle and the Damage Done. You just heard the promo for it. And she's appearing in the, in, um, in the uh, benefit um, for 3CR, and she's here in the studio with us. Hello, Fiona. Hello. Hello, great to be here. Uh, I was a bit excited then that you had Claire and Dan on because they're good friends of mine. I was going, oh, I just want to leap on. I went, my mic's not on. You'll just make a fool of yourself. Don't do it. Uh, but they're great. Love them. Talented. Now, if 
we're going to go to see the needle and the damage done. Yes, which you should do. Amazing. I don't want to. I don't want to give away any secrets. But what? Just generally, what can we expect? <laughs> well, um, the needle and the damage done, which I'm doing as part of the fundraiser next Thursday at the Bella Union, a week away. Book your tickets now. Very, very reasonable. Um, uh, Fifteen dollars at the door. Thirteen dollars pre-booking. What? I think. No, I think it's a bit more than that. No. Oh. No, there has been an adjustment made. Okay. Yes, because um, well, of wanting to. Me. I know, right? I only just found out myself, but the idea is to allow um, as many like volunteers from 3CR to come as possible. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Um, so yeah, it's fifteen dollars at the door. Thirteen dollars pre. Announced that. Thank you. Um, all the news. Okay. Coming to you direct. So um, if you, what you can expect when you uh, pony up your very small but we love 3CR amount is um, an entire jam-packed night of excitement. Uh, so there is, there's me, <laughs> amazing, um, but also DJs and a book launch, uh, the Australian, the Encyclopedia of Australian Rock and Pop, which is a fantastic book and that's a new edition has been released. Um so, but I'm, I, I have to say, I'm, I do feel I'm taking up the lion's share of the evening um, because I'm doing my whole show. So the needle and the damage done, um, I don't really do it much anymore because it's a show from back in the day, but um, mm. it's a great show and people are always happy to see it. So it's a top 10 of the worst records ever released in the history of the world. <laughs> That's what you can expect. Okay, well. And what I can tell you is they're not what you think they are. Oh. I can guarantee that whatever you've got in your head, not that. Not that. Okay. No. All right. So come and test your opinions, people. Okay. You will be surprised and delighted. And well, it's hilarious. Now, I'm interested in our show is about communication. And yeah. I'm probably turning to a, a little bit more serious thing. But the needle and the damage right. done, you've been yeah. doing it for quite a while. I don't want you to give away any trade secrets. Oh, yeah. But not like most people then. That's, um, you were, as I understand <laughs> it, you were a collector of this kind of music, what? Yeah. What? How did you move from being a collector to a performer? Oh, okay. So to be fair, I don't think that you could really say that my collecting was a career. It wasn't how I um, brought in the uh, the big bucks. I was. That's just something I've always had as a bit of a hobby. Um, I'm. I used to be a critic actually. Um, so I reviewed theatre, comedy and cabaret for The Age and The Bulletin when that was still a thing. And Wonderful credit. Thanks. Mm. Yeah, um, and, bef- and uh, impress, actually, from back in the day. Mm. So, And then I moved into performing. So that was kind of a weird shift to do, to go from um, com- commentating and al- analysing analyzing other people's work and, uh, and then to presenting my own. But it's a very different... Mm, to be mm. on the other side yeah and that's that's a little bit well like some of the things that i'm interested to find out a bit more is when you get up in front of people Mm. and you're doing this kind of thing how do you judge where the comedy comes from how do you how do you make those decisions is there a a kind of i don't know a comedic code or a set of rules or do you sort of Mm. work on the basis of this performance worked well this is the way i should be doing it How, how does that all work 
Well, okay, so when I first started doing comedy, I thought I was going to be tremendously clever and do lots of political material and be very smart because I'm a smart person, I'm a writer, I have lots of honed opinions, uh, I can do research, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I also had seen by that stage a truckload of other people's comedy. So uh, I had very well honed instincts in that sense and taste, I had very good taste. But what became apparent to me after not that much time is that actually you don't know who you're going to be on stage until you start doing it. Um, it develops as you go and mostly people don't remember what you say, they remember how you make them feel. So yes, words are important. Ultimately, that's not where the juice of comedy sits. The juice sits in the relationship between you and the audience. So um, it's creating that energetic exchange and bringing them along with you and playing with them. Uh, and interestingly, and I think this is perhaps a bit unusual, I think a lot of my experience in audience interaction and reading the audience came from DJing because I DJed for a long time before I started doing stand-up and I realized it's almost exactly the same. You have to be present the whole time, you have to read the room and a track that you drop one night does not necessarily go off the next night. It's got nothing to do with the quality of the track, it's just mm. not in the right place mm. or it's mm. not the right song at the right time and it's the same with jokes. Um, you need to gauge where people are at and sometimes you have the material you have. So like with Needle, it's a written show Mm. There's lots of there's points of where I'm chatting to the audience, but a lot of it's it appears I think a lot more spontaneous than it actually is because that's the nature of performance. Mm. Um, but I have the script I have, but the audience changes every night. Um, so what you have to do is work out which bits you can go harder on and which points do you pull back on. So um, this particular show, look, I mean, when I say it's hilarious, of course I'm going to say that, but it is actually hilarious. It's one of those things of times in your life when you make something and you go, okay, that, that's golden. My second show wasn't. Um, difficult second show, but first show, solid platinum. Um, and it toured all around the country. You can look, Google it, read the reviews. Don't take my word for it. Yeah, but literally all around the country. Um, yeah, you're, not, you're not too modest here. Well, well I'm, I just yeah, know yeah, no, it works. Yeah, yeah. I can be modest about the things I need to be modest about. Sure, sure. Pick yeah, another yeah. topic. I'm going, yeah. oh, not so great. But yeah, yeah. that one show, mwah. Yeah. Um, because I spent my whole life preparing for it, sure. like collecting the records yeah, and understanding yeah. bad music and right, right. doing the radio show on Triple R, Trash is My Life. It was all preparation for that one shining right, moment. Right. And then you've got to write another show and it's like, oh. What? Um, but mm. uh, I'd be performing. I, I, I mean, I've, I've been to about 150 different places performing that show, uh, like all around the place. It toured so extensively. Can you can you um, remember what some of your toughest toughest gigs were? Totally, and getting to that point because this the way that the show is structured. It's a top ten, right? So I've got ten different segments, and 
I've arranged the music into different sections, different categories. So there's an Australian music section, there's a racist music section, <laughs> right? Mm. Yeah. So there's also a Christian music section, mm. and that's up second. And believe me, you can really gauge how it's going to go because everyone loves the Australian section. They're like, hooray, we're laughing. Yeah, that's mm, terrible. Mm. Woohoo. And then uh, I say Christian music. And most of the time people go, yay. And then in certain select regional towns, it's a bit like, what are you saying about Jesus? Mm. And you can, it's like ice skating and you hit gravel. Um, and so when I feel that, what that does is give me the information I need to be more playful in the way that I mm, uh, mm. perform and mm. give them permission and also so that they know that I'm not um, I'm not it's not actually about faith it's about the really appalling music mm. that um, has been recorded in the name of Jesus um, because blimey um, there's some really <laughs> disgraceful proselytizing and other shenanigans that goes on under that flag. So um, that's what it's about. It's not about whether or not you're of a faith. You've actually uh, anticipated my, my next question, which was to, what, which what? Was to do. <laughs> well, thinking about the co communication side of things, about when you're actually doing the performing and how you get cues about how things are going, whether they're going well or not oh, going well. Oh, you feel it. Yeah, and you clearly do pick uh. up cues in the performance, in the moment of performance, and you can adjust your performance according to those cues. Yeah, and you 100% have to be present. You just do and engaged with people and finding out whether they're because it's also like um have either of you done any teaching? Mm, both. Just a little bit. Yeah, my ears and marketing. Okay, well, teaching is performing. Yeah. Nice one. So yeah. and it is. It absolutely is. So um, I did my cert four last year in training and assessment. That was a very sexy, sexy time for me. And uh, <laughs> not. Um, and there's a component of that training where they talk about um, learner cues. You know, like what is what are you getting back? Is the stuff mm. that you're teaching landing? And it's the same thing with performing comedy. You get the audience cues. Are they sitting back? Are, arm, you know, are they mm -hmm. bored? Are their mm -hmm. arms folded? Mm -hmm. Or are they, you know, open up and laughing? And, and so uh, the more you perform, the more you get mm -hmm. the instinct to follow the thing that works, that's working, and to try and push them to laugh more. Or if they're not responding, kind of go, okay, maybe they don't like material about sex or they don't like yeah. material mm -hmm. about dogs or or you know, or do I care that they don't like it? Mm. Because, for instance, when I was performing Needle in these places, I just kind of, I got to the point where I went, oh, got it. What I'm actually doing is performing a community service because they need to hear this material. Yeah. And it's okay that they're not on board because they're kind of trapped. It's an hour, 10, they're here. And maybe they'll have a look at themselves in terms of what constitutes racism or sexism or some of those things so it just ends up being having the show has a slightly different purpose fiona we'd love to talk more with you mm. but we've got a we're ah, out of time jam-packed and uh it's it's fascinating to hear the way you're talking about your your work and how it works as communication i guess that's that's really interesting for for us mm. and uh look th this uh letting us know that the 
price has gone down for yep. the benefit. The benefit, by the way, is next Thursday. Thursday and, night. Yeah, it's at the Bella Union. Yeah. And uh, as a, a trades hall. And yep. it's, it, the information will be on the 3CR website. And it's also on the Bella Union website. So you can go straight there and just book. And I've been talking with Fiona Scott-Norman. Thank you for taking the time out to be with Communication Mixed Down. It's a pleasure. And you know why? It's easier to communicate face-to-face than on the phone. That's why I came in. Back next week, Communication Mixed Down.